As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Today on Quick Slants, the podcast, putting an eye on the Patriots Hall of Fame and the induction of Rodney Harrison. Should he be in Canton like his buddy Ty? Should there be more Patriots in? Scott Pioli is in our deep dive today, and we go hot off the press to look at exactly what Phil Perry projects for the roster. All that and more on Quick Slants, the podcast. Rock solid. Yeah, good Rock start. solid, yeah. Um, how you doing, babe? Great, great. A few days camping, five days in. Got a day off here, podding with my guy. Feel good. As you guys know, we are up to our flipping bald spots, if I have one, which I don't, um, with information right now. We have so many responsibilities. We do your training camp central, early edition, Boston Sports Tonight, quick slants. Um, we write the hell out of stuff. So we're getting after it here, and we're going to move quick. So first thing in hot off the press – Rodney Harrison goes into the Patriots Hall of Fame, but the backbeat to the entire ceremony to me was Patriots are getting hosed when it comes to Canton. You can make a case, and Bill Belichick certainly did persuasively for Rodney Harrison being in Canton. He's a 30-sack, 30-pick guy. But, Phil, when we look at the overall resume, it's going to be hard to convince those writers from Denver and Oakland and Cleveland and all these other places who have a vote that this guy is anything more than a favor to Bill Belichick and the Patriots, who everybody's damn sick of already. Isn't that kind of sad? Because that's that's the reputation he came to the Patriots with that he was trying to shake, which was he's a dirty player who really had a couple of good years in San Diego on some good teams, some good defenses. And then he comes here, and he is a significant, significant piece to the puzzle that that makes this dynasty what it is. Earns an All-Pro nod in first-team All-Pro in 2003, second-team All-Pro in 2004, but the Pro Bowl berths, Tom, probably aren't going to be there for some voters. I can just see voters saying, well, he was a part of some great teams. Yeah, sure, and I know Bill Belichick loves him, and he called him... Did he call him maybe the the best pass rushing defensive back yeah. in the in he league said, history? He said if we if we rushed him more, he would have had seventy five sacks, which is incredible. And he's and he's he's couldn't right. Block him. He's he probably just right. We couldn't block him. But here's what's interesting: the Pro Bowl, which we so routinely dismiss as a popularity contest, and it's absolutely gotten that way, is used extensively when that Hall of Fame voters get in there, and they have to. They have to have some guidelines for what they're talking about, but but also what they need is guidelines are the information, and I know it's absolutely pivotal, and, and so many guys in the league, whether it's Bill Belichick or Tom Brady on down the line, who communicate with voters who are trying to make a case about different players. 
So when you sit there and say, well, Rodney Harrison didn't go to enough Pro Bowls, he was only a two-time All-Pro, you're going to have to, in turn, rely on word of mouth and referrals. Is Bill Belichick going to be discounted as an authority because he happened to coach Rodney Harrison? I unfortunately think that that would be the case, even though I think he's a straight shooter. Look, I think Corey Dillon has a Hall of Fame case. He's not even close. He's over 10,000 yards. He had once the single-season rushing record. He won a Super Bowl. But I don't think he's ever even in the conversation. Um, Harrison's going to have an upward swim to get there. But I do think that this period of time here and the fact that Ty Law gets in, and he's going to, no doubt, I guarantee, mention on Saturday during his induction speech that he thinks some more Patriots should get in. We might see a bump that goes on over the next few months. Ron Borges is the, uh, the former Globe and Herald writer who is the Hall of Fame voter for this region. I hope that happens. I hope some of those players, whether it's Rodney Harrison or Richard Seymour, who has been eligible but has not gotten in, uh, Vince Wilfork, when he comes up, I think he's honestly, Tommy's going to have a hard time. He's That's one of the crazy. one of the best players in franchise history. Uh, an incredibly important piece. You've written about this, talked about it many times, bridging that gap between Patriots Dynasty 1.0 and Patriots Dynasty 2.0, where his rookie season was 4 They win a Super Bowl. He's here in 2014. They win another one. But he's a defensive tackle. He's part of a defensive scheme where it's two gapping and it doesn't encourage individual numbers and guys getting up the field and racking up sacks. And that's going to hurt players. It's going to hurt their Hall of Fame candidacy. It shouldn't. And the voters are people that that should be able to look beyond some of that stuff. And maybe I'm not giving them enough credit. It's a lot of smart people in that room. I know that. But I think some of these guys that we're talking about outside of Gronk, outside of Vinatieri, outside of Brady and Belichick, I think there are going to be a lot of players that should get consideration that don't. In the case of Vince Wilfork, what I would say would be the most persuasive argument to me is I thought that he was one of the best players in the league, period, top 10 player in the league um, from really about 2009, 2010 to 2013. Him and Haloti If Haloti gets in the Hall of Fame, then Vince Wilfork needs to be there too. I agree. So those two guys, you know, Vince is the guy who I think as much as Richard Seymour deserves to go in. And it'll be interesting to see. But you're going to get your Belichick. You're going to get your Gronk. As you said, Vinatieri Brady. Um, Wes Welker will be interesting. Julian Edelman will be interesting. Um, Devin McCourty. Devin McCourty. Boy. Um, Yeah. I mean, key piece to three Super Bowls. But a guy who is, you know... if you listen to certain people, he's he's on the he's forty yards away from the play, just keeping an eye on everything. But we know that's that's not the case, and, and he's an incredibly nuance, important piece. There's a lot of nuance involved in his candidacy, but he's got more All Pro votes and Pro Bowl votes than Mike Vrabel or Teddy Bruschi, who have, if you ask me, they're not getting in the Hall of Fame, but they have a lot more indelible plays than Devin McCourty has made. You're right. Devin McCourty has a nuanced candidacy but he's also got a good resume and he's going to get outstanding referrals this is what's interesting about Richard Seymour and the fact that he's not in yet and I think he will get in he should get in he has both he has a lot of the individual honors seven-time pro bowler three-time first team all pro three-time Super Bowl champion incredibly important part of that team in the early aughts and he's still not in I'm going to do a quick side swipe, too, on uh, the controversy or conversation that continues about Bill Parcells not being in the Patriots Hall of Fame I'm not going to spend a lot of time on the candidacy itself. You can make a case either way. Bill Parcells had a a massive impact on the franchise. The franchise wasn't completely bereft of success prior to his arriving. But when he got here, 
it was an absolutely abysmal laughing stock, as bad as it could be in professional sports from 1990 through 1992. So he did renovate. He did have great success. But the more important point I want to make is not what his final record was here or the fact that he went to the Jets and um, proceeded to try and tear down the Patriots for the next four years. But the biggest point is one guy gets in a friggin' year. It's not the it's not Canton, it's not Cooperstown. They let one guy in, okay? Nobody's working this scheme to keep Bill Parcells out of the Patriots Hall of Fame. Definitely not Belichick. Definitely not Ernie Adams or Jonathan Kraft or Robert Kraft. When we sit in that room, to me, it's about the players who actually executed Parcells' window. Right now, it's going to open again, and I hope it's not posthumous. But right now, it's going to take a while. And I hate to, you know, I'm going to knock on wood and everything else for that. But he's, you know, he's push, pushing 75, 76. So, and you're right, it's not getting any easier. Because there are just too many players. Every year, there are more that are going to be added to this list. And the way it works, and we've talked about the process before, but three finalists get voted upon in that room. And then it goes to the fans. And so Bill Parcells had, hasn't even made it to the three finalists in the last handful of yeah, years. he did get there previously. He did. And I can't remember who beat his ass out. It might have been Ty Law. And now his next best opportunity is to go to the, the senior committee, right, which is how Leon Gray got in this year. So, yes, it is one player or, or coach, contributor, who gets voted in every year uh, by the fans. There is a senior committee who can vote in someone who has been retired. I believe it's at least 25 years. Mm-hmm. So... I don't know the math on that in terms of Parcells and where he fits, where he would be eligible for the senior committee to vote him in, because I think he would get in from I mean, that if group. Do, look, if the best thing, and Stacey James is the Patriots vice president of media relations, and he and Brian Mori are the quarterbacks of the Hall of Fame structure, if they want to swing the doors open and start letting in two and three, because it's this is not what they anticipated. They are blessed. It's a high-class problem, but there's too many people with a – at the deli counter with a friggin' number. <laughs> so we gotta we gotta move the line here. But I think that's important too when you're talking about any whether it's retiring numbers or Hall of Fame. It has to be the whole point is that it's selective. It is and so selective it should be hard to get in. It is. But when you have Vrabel Seymour, um Parcells, soon it'll be Welker, Mankins, Mankins, Wilfork, Vinatieri. Yeah. The list goes on and on. And honestly. we're not even getting to Moss and Branch, who if this was, you know, the Carolina Panthers, they would have statues of each guy <laughs> out front. All right. So that was some good shit right there, everybody. I hope you enjoyed that. Uh, next up, um, we're going to hit you with a little something that I like to call popped and dropped. Who popped and who dropped Ooh. in Phil Perry's eyes. This is the roster projection portion of the program phil writing for nbc sports his roster projection some fascinating stuff click on it all right phil i'm gonna let you qb this because well we're friends and you do a great job uh, appreciate as you. well and i have absolutely no problem at all sitting over here in the passenger seat and uh, looking out the window while you talk about your roster projections i'll well, chime in i know that you know there are people in your mind who have popped and dropped as well but i do want to run through what i think are some of the most interesting portions of of the roster projection right now. And let's start at tight end. I have one tight end on the final 53-man roster in this latest projection. So we're popless. Everybody's dropped. 
everybody's dropped. Even Matt Lacoste, who is the one guy that I have on the roster right now, I would not say he popped. He just is the last man standing. He's the best of what they've got, and you can't go into a season for a month while Ben Watson is suspended with no tight end. Good catch radius, a little bit inconsistent so far with the hands. We have seen him flash decent hands at times. I just feel like they went out and they got him early in free agency. They want him to be a part of this group. I can't say that about anybody else on the roster. Steven Anderson hasn't done it for me. Ryan Izzo, we haven't seen much from. Lance Kendricks, there's still time for him to make an impression, but he was just waiting for a job up until a handful of days ago for a reason. And so I would say go with Matt Lacoste. Don't use a roster spot on one of these other guys who could probably get onto the practice squad. Keep somebody like Keon Crossan that you know is good, that you don't want to lose to another team the way you lost Camus Grugier-Hill or Keon Crossan. Um, or sorry, Craven LeBlanc. Um, so anyway, one tight end. James Devlin's there too. You can use a bunch of offensive linemen to help make up for that depth. I have eight offensive linemen on the roster. Use somebody like Yelda Froholt as a jumbo tight end if you need him in a running situation. Don't keep a tight end that doesn't really deserve a roster spot. And again, there's time for these guys to, to make an impact, but that's where I would stand on that position right now. Any thoughts on tight end for you? No, but as you point out, defensive backs are at a premium. If you don't want to lose those guys, you do keep them and you maybe the other problem is offensive line, but what happens at the end of August because of the the cutdowns that are made, it's very hard for teams to say, you know what, let's go get Yelda Froholt and bring him in here. He's a rookie and we saw him in about 15 snaps the last couple of games and he's better. It's not going to get up to speed for you either. And you're going to have to, if you pick him up off of waivers, the Patriots released him. He has to be on your active roster. You can't throw him on your practice squad. So better bet to get those guys because defensive backs, teams will scoop them and say, look, it's not rocket science. Cover that guy. We'll hit defensive backs really quickly since you mentioned him. I have seven corners on the roster. Seven. That's a that's a large number. You really don't need that you many. You almost think you're out of, out of your own mind. I think I'm out of my own mind, but I just can't make an argument for cutting any of these guys because, A, the tight ends and receivers haven't necessarily shown themselves to be worthy of, of roster spots in some cases. So anyway, look at all these guys you have. You have Gilmore, obviously, Jackson, McCourty, Jonathan Jones. Uh, all those guys are making the team for sure. Jawan Williams and Duke Dawson, those guys are second-round picks. They're not going anywhere. And I kept crossing as well for special teams value. Uh, who popped in my eyes, Tom? Two receivers. I want to hear what you think about them. Maurice Harris and Jacoby Myers. They are two of the six receivers that I have on the 53-man roster. No Braxton Berrios. No Ryan Davis, who I know you like. Um, yeah, the I'm re- trying to think if there's no Gunnar Olszewski for the Gunner fans out there. Dontrell Inman has been taken out behind yeah, the Yeah, we've got Edelman, Harry, Dorsett, Harris, Myers as your wide receivers, and then Slater. That's six receivers. Well, the reason I, I am surprised on Berrios is I thought there was a drastic improvement, and I think that they're high on his ability to fit in the slot and be the kind of water bug that they're experienced with. So I'm sure you're feeling the same thing. Jerry, uh, Ryan Davis is going to end up on the practice squad. Guaranteed. Nobody's going to claim his ass. Um, because I like he was Ryan undrafted Davis to begin with. And if Stidham, who he worked with at Auburn, is eventually the quarterback here, you just let those two go work together all year long on the practice squad. Stidham actually pro- – see, that's an interesting thing too, which I'm not going to spend a lot of time on. Do you release Jared Stidham? I don't think you can. No, I don't think you can either. So Not enough quarterback talent around the league. Yeah. I, I Braxton Berrios was – Probably my last cut. Him and Obi Melifonmu were two of the hardest cuts for me. 
I just think Myers, I look at that as one of the, the best competitions really in camp like right Myers. now. I really like Myers. He can play in the slot. He's a much different player, though. He's a big slot. He has some versatility to play outside. Made a ton of contested catches. Actually, as many contested catches last year at NC State as Nikhil Harry had at Arizona State. So there's a battle right there, in my opinion, between Berrios and Myers, even though they're much different builds, different types of players. Um, and Nikhil Harry is has slot capability too you he saw does in all his clips he does he does so he could work that middle of the field if you want to get julian edelman out of there and play him on the outside a little more he could do that uh let's hit the the defense defensive front very quickly i have nine linebackers on the roster but when you split them up three inside linebackers six outside linebackers there's going to be a premium on athletic guys who can rush off the edge drop into coverage play special teams for you as well I'm okay with keeping that many outside linebackers. It's Kyle Van Noy, Jamie Collins, John Simon, Chase Winovich, Derek Rivers, who was one of the last entrants onto the 53-man roster. Maybe you lop off Rivers and you keep Berrios, um, or you keep Melifonwu, and Brandon King, who is, again, a special teamer. But that's my outside linebacker group. And then on the inside, you have Hightower, Jawan Bentley, and Alandon Roberts. So that I think you could use a lot of depth there at that position, move guys in and out, try to create some confusion they like those amoeba fronts mm-hmm. get four or five of those guys on the field at one time if you really want to and and uh, wreak havoc on offensive lines with your athleticism all right click on that that's your uh, roster projection now the next portion of this program it's going to be scott pioli former patriots vice president of player personnel obviously went to the chiefs as well he was the executive of the executive of the year in the nfl has been with the atlanta falcons um, just a terrific guy, and along with Bill Belichick, I think the two of them were very much in lockstep in being architects or, you know, was Bill's blueprint, and Scott helped to execute it, and they remain close, and Scott remains an incredibly intuitive football mind and a great source of information. So I spoke to him after Rodney Harrison's induction about, well, Harrison in general and what the two – Bill Belichick and Scott Pioli and all the players and coaches here have been able to build. Here's Scott Pioli. All right, thanks a lot. We are right here with Scott Pioli, one of the architects of really this dynasty that has gone on since you came aboard alongside Bill in 2000. And I want to start with tonight, Scott and the event out there that Rodney singled you out and had words for you. First, what was your reaction when he looked you dead in the eye and said that? He gave me the stare. He gave me the Rodney stare, and it was like that uncomfortable stare because I tried to look away, and he looked back at me, and then he kind of leaned. Um, it's just us. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. He, um, I, I was surprised a little bit, but I, I know how close our relationship was and is. Um, it, it was, you know, the whole night was amazing because Rodney talked about everyone but himself, mm-hmm. right? And there was that cool moment, which I really appreciated personally, but he spoke about everyone else except himself. People that are here, people that aren't here. Um, I think the, the folks, if they get a chance to see it, I hope you're going to show some of it. We were here the whole thing live, baby. Oh, it, it's, it's, it's unbelievable because he, um, he embodies everything that this whole program was about when it started, the the idea, the vision that Bill and I had when we we wanted to do this, and I say Bill and I, but Bill, Ernie Adams, myself, and, and all the other people that were involved, was trying to find selfless players, right? Bill's big rules at the time were be on time, pay attention, work hard. Three very simple principles, and we had to go out and find those players that lived that. 
And Rodney, um, it was interesting, you know, someone said that, that they thought that they knew how to win. The players thought that they knew how to win. And Rodney came in and brought things to a different level. And to hear him tonight talk about the winning and everybody else, I think just tells you why this thing has been able to sustain itself. And then Billy mentioned later on himself that he's the example that everyone mm -hmm. that, he, that he still points to today. When we talk about that period of time, 2001, you win a Super Bowl, mm -hmm. and there were many players who were not part of your culture and were holdovers from, from Bill Parcells and also from Pete Carroll. The 2002 year was interesting because complacency is overstating it, even though Teddy Bruschi did use that word. But I remember there was a game against the Green Bay Packers, and there was a ball loose on the ground. The only player who went after and got it was Stephen Neal, and Bill yeah. beat people over the head That's about that. a good that. memory right there. I'm impressed. It's personnel. we got to keep a job here. <laughs> um, but I think if, if you remember that, Rodney almost put the paddles to the chest of this organization in a way that maybe they didn't know they needed. Maybe you didn't know it, they needed, or did you guys think that you might need that? We knew that we needed to keep getting more guys like that. And it wasn't you – know, th there were a couple things. There was – I won't say the complacency was starting to set in, but there was an element of it there. But the other thing that happened was we went from being a team that was an afterthought to being a target. Mm -hmm. And we had to continue to get better. And you know, then you get an opportunity, because remember at the time, Lawyer was still here. We were planning on moving forward with all those guys back there and playing Lawyer and Rodney you know, at safety. And he, again, he brought an element of, um, of toughness and focus that was here, but he reminded everybody that there was a next level. Is the lawyer exit in some ways still painful just in the way that it unfolded? And I don't know if it was preventable or not, but you know, we have a night here like this and lawyer's name is mentioned and the crowd yeah. cheer goes up. Yeah. Um, just asking you off the cuff here because you mentioned it, was that still something that you look back on and say, well, I wish it went different? I think everyone involved wished it went differently. And that's unfortunately sometimes it's, it's not just when football and business intersect. There's a lot of different players that are involved at that point in time, agents, uh, a lot of opinions on both sides. I think uh, I don't I'm not speaking for Bill here, but I do know that I observed how disappointed and upset Bill was at the time. That's not the result that Bill wanted. It's mm -hmm. not the result that I wanted. It's not the result that lawyer wanted. It wasn't. It certainly wasn't the result that the Crafts wanted, and it happened. And sometimes, you, you know, when you go through those moments and, 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 and at the height of those moments, the, the emotion, the raw the emotion, and, and things get blown up. And I think retrospectively, no, everyone wishes it didn't happen. Unfortunately, it did. I want to ask you finally about just what you guys have wrought. <laughs> I mean, you've been gone now for 11 years. Is it that long? I believe so. My math is not what it used to be. <laughs> but when we think about that, we're now seeing honors bestowed on guys like Ty Law yeah. or How cool. Rodney. Very cool. Yet Bill and Tom are still on the field, yeah. and it's like nothing has changed. This is this tiny little pocket in professional sports where nobody gets older. Yeah. <laughs> A lot has changed, yeah. but some things remain the same. And it's, it's amazing what's, what's been done. And I remember you know, years ago, before Bill and I even came here, and we were talking back in Cleveland, this was. And I remember one of the conversations, I remember this look in Bill's eye, again, because I was learning from Bill in Cleveland. 
And then we had our years together at that uh, the, the team in Green guys, the, green guys, the green guys. And uh, I remember Bill saying his admiration for Coach Walsh. And Bill had this look, and he said, you know, at some point, the measure of true greatness, at some point, I want to create something that's truly great. And the measure of true greatness is something that lasts. It's not just winning a championship. It's something that lasts and then even lives beyond you. And I remember thinking at that moment, he was defining this type of greatness and this, without saying the word, what's the word um, that you all use here? A dynasty, right? Dynasty. Yeah. Still can't. We're still alive. Dynastic. Well, you know. <laughs> but, but things have changed, right? The players are different. Yes, Tom is still here. Bill's still here. Ernie's still here. Josh is back. Bears has never left. Um, the crafts are here. But a lot has changed, and 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 for the better in certain mm-hmm. ways. And th- and that's the thing is, things do evolve. But the, the 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 level of greatness and the way that this organization has continued to evolve through some difficult times, through the change of the rest of the league, is really pretty amazing. And again, thinking back to to 2000 when this whole thing started, um, it's it, it's it's really cool and and a blessing to have been a small part of it at some point in time. Well, we've always enjoyed our relationship with you, and, and I think that everybody out there who's been paying attention, and if you haven't, this is one of the guys, one of the prime guys who made sure that you're enjoying your Sundays for going on 20 years. Thanks, man. Thanks, man. All right, there's your Scott Pioli. We enjoyed the hell out of that. Listen, we got a ton of coverage coming up for you over the next... Uh, However many weeks until camp starts, I'll be at the Hall of Fame covering uh, Ty Law this weekend. Um, Phil will be in Detroit next week for the practices there. Stick with us. We'll hit you with another Slants podcast later in the week. We out.